Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, yeah, man, ringscoops.com. I am that ringscoops guy, your host. This is uh, ringscoops retro. Yeah, man. Hey, hey. When I was when I was telling you guys a while back that we were going to be changing some stuff here on the uh, the podcast uh, uh, feed, uh, wasn't just going to be all blown up. We're going to have more content. I wasn't lying to you guys. Um, you know, over the years, uh, people on Ring Scoops have seen me do shows that were called like retro wrestling, and it was in video form, me doing uh, reviews of old wrestling shows and whatnot, right? But uh, right here, uh, this is now audio. Ring Scoops Retro, no longer retro wrestling. Uh, going to go ahead and talk about some of the old events. Uh, it doesn't have to just be about events. Uh, Ring Scoops Retro is going to be something uh, very, very unique. Uh, it's just going to be a, a retrospective look at the world of professional wrestling, whether it be um, taking a look at uh, some of the older events that took place, reminiscing about you know some of the moments and whatnot. Uh, maybe uh, maybe do a, a an episode or two, you know, of uh, looking back at, at individual superstars. You know, last year I was doing a show. It's called WWE Spotlight, where I would take um, a random person that was part of the WWE, and I would uh, I'd go over their their run in WWE and give my thoughts and memories about the person. Um, on future episodes, of course, I'll have co-hosts here on the on the show. This first one here is just gonna be my myself. That ring scoops guy, but uh, you never know. Anybody else that's part of the uh, the ring scoops family uh, could uh, more than welcome to be on this show to reminisce about old school wrestling, talk about events, superstars, wrestlers, certain matches, uh, memorabilia, uh, wrestling, video games, toys, just anything that has to do with old school professional wrestling. Uh, and when I say you know future uh, guests on on the podcast, you know part of the ring scoops family. Uh, you know, McAvall, um, the DA, uh, Theo C, Blade, the KJ, Kyle Johnson, um, Andy Steven of PW Mania, Aaron Rift and ODQ. I mean, you just never know who's going to be on this show. So stay tuned for, for that stuff there. Um, on this first episode here of uh, Ring Scoops Retro, I want to talk about uh, a pay-per-view that I just recently watched. Um I've been talking about on Twitter and on other podcasts that I've been doing that uh, for the past two months, I've been uh, rewatching the Attitude Era. I started with uh, the Monday Night Raw um, leading into uh, WrestleMania. Actually, it was it was I think it was which Raw that I start with? I think it was uh, I think it was the first two hour one uh, right after the uh, the infamous. Germany show where they had the, the Titan Tron. They started calling it Raw's War, you know, doing that stuff. They had the cage match of Bret Hart and um, and Sid for the uh, for the championship where Undertaker and, and Stone Cold Steve Austin got involved. I've been watching from then. I'm all the way up to Unforgiven 1998. So in two months, I've watched a little over a, a year. And what a difference that it. It, it it was from watching 
in the springtime of 97 to the springtime here of 98, see such growth from the company. Um, so this episode here of, of Ring Scoops Retro, I want to talk about Unforgiven in your house. Uh, it was the 21st pay-per-view event under the In Your House name from the WWE. It took place back on April 26, 1998 from the Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, this was also uh, a monumental show because it was the first WWF pay-per-view that used the new Scratch logo for all the promotional work. Um, the, that, uh, that logo had been seen... Um, you know, on the ring apron of WrestleMania 14 and whatnot. But as far as like the posters, uh, you know, everything leading up to the pay-per-view, this was the first time that the scratch logo was pretty much implemented as the company logo. We'd seen it a couple of times here and there and certain things before that. But uh, this event, it also saw the very first ever Inferno match, and it was the WWF's first ever evening gown match that night. The, uh, the attendance... Uh, the, the number recorded down in history is 21,427 people in attendance for this pay-per-view. And, uh, like I said, it was at the, uh, the Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, uh, North Carolina. Um, had some, uh, some interesting matches on there. Uh, let me run down the match card real quick. Then I'll talk a little bit about like some of the backstory going into it and get my thoughts on the pay-per-view. Um, there was a six-man ta- six tag team match. It was The Nation featuring D'Lo Brown, Mark Henry, and The Rock taking on uh, Steve Blackman, Ken Shamrock, and Farouk. There was a European championship match. Triple H was the champion defending against Owen Hart where uh, China was in the shark cage hanging from the rafters. The NWA World Tag Team Championship was on the line as the new Midnight Express defended against the Rock and Roll Express. Jim Cornette in the corner of the new Midnight Express. The evening gown match, Sable versus Luna Vachon. The WWF Tag Team Championship match, the New Age Outlaws, Billy Gunn and the Road Dog, defending against LOD 2000 with Sonny. Then, of course, the Infernal match featuring Kane and The Undertaker. And the main event was for the WWF Championship, Stone Cold Steve Austin defending against Dude Love. Uh, one thing that I remember about this, uh, you know, back in the day, I used to listen to um, a show called Squared Circle. It was hosted by the Shadow Man. It was on the cable radio network. I don't know how many people out there remember back in the day on cable TV. Uh, usually it was like Channel 3 or Channel 4, depending on, uh, you know, what, what coast you were on, what, what part of the, the country you're in. But there was always like a community channel where it had like bulletins up with like things that would going on in your community, local community and the counties and whatnot. And then they would they would have like either music playing in the background or sometimes they'd have talk shows in the background. And that was called the Cable Radio Network. Uh, it was uh, it started out in the 80s uh, with a guy named Mike Horn and um, brilliant idea. Right. I mean, it's just more than just putting bulletins and elevator music. It, who, who, who comes up with the idea to to actually make a station and then go to these cable providers and be like, Hey, look, we'll provide content on here for you guys. The guy made a lot of money and every Friday night there was a show on there called squared circle. Um, the first host of it in the early nineties was dynamite D God rest his soul. 
And then, of course, Shadow Man, James Boone, he took over. Mike Lano, Dr. Mike Lano took over in the late uh, 90s, early 2000s for a little while. Then the Shadow Man returned and then kind of just faded out from there. I don't even know if cable radio networks, I don't know if CRN still around or not. But, you know, growing up in the, in the, in the, in the 90s, junior high and high school in, in, the, in the late 90s there, mid to late 90s, every Friday night I'd listen to the Squared Circle of the Shadow Man. And um, he, he would always bring up a really good point. And I still remember this. Uh, the buildup for Unforgiven was, was kind of weird because it was, it was almost up to the go home that we didn't even know who Stone Cold Steve Austin was going to, you know, defend the championship against. And then, of course, they did the, the, the infamous, you know, Austin versus McMahon with one arm tied behind Austin's back, which finally defeated WCW in the ratings after 83 weeks. It was a monumental episode, right? And Dude Love came out at the end. Dude Love attacked Stone Cold Steve Austin and set up for their match. Um, before that, they really didn't even like, yeah, sure, it was a rematch from WrestleMania, Kane and Undertaker, right? But watching these Raws, like, there really wasn't like a major build. Other than, uh, you know, they bring up the, the Undertaker and Kane's parents' caskets and they light them on fire. And, and uh, Kane would uh, chokeslam the Undertaker through the other casket. And then they would, oh, there's an Inferno match. And then uh, LOD 2000 for months was chasing after the Tag Team Championship. They had won the Battle Royal at WrestleMania the, the month before. So that automatically sets up that match, right? New Midnight Express versus Rock and Roll Express. Just a long history with Jim Cornette and Rock and Roll Express. That And they were in Greensboro. Made sense to put that match on the card. Uh, Owen Hart and Triple H. You know, it originally started out with Shawn Michaels and Owen Hart for a little while after the whole screw job thing. And, you know, Owen came back and was doing the Black Heart thing and kind of stemmed over to Triple H. And it's a rematch, pretty much, from WrestleMania. And they had China hanging above, you know, in the, in the shark cage. So, naturally, that match would take place. And, uh, you know, Farouk being kicked out of the nation, teams up with Ken Shamrock and Steve Blackman, who had history with the nation. So, you know, this had a really good build for the undercard. But the the main event matches, Dude Love and Stone Cold Steve Austin, really. Not a whole lot of build, right? Luna and Sable rematch somewhat from WrestleMania. Usually WrestleMania, like up to that point, up to 98, WrestleMania was like the, the season finale. New things would start afterwards. But this was a continuation. It was kind of a new formula for the WWF, which was very interesting. So, yeah, it was. It was two weeks out from the pay-per-view. Dude Love finally gets named the number one contender. Not because he challenged Stone Cold Steve Austin or because he won a contendership match, but because during a match between Austin and McMahon, Dude Love came out and Steve Austin had one arm tied behind his back, accidentally bumped into Dude Love and he put the mandible claw on Austin. And all of a sudden, boom, he's in the title hunt. They had nothing else to do for Mick Foley. It made sense. They kind of had a history, right? Steve Austin and Dude Love uh, made for a really good match. We'll get into that a little bit. But um, this was really, like, the whole story here was mainly about Vince McMahon. Um, the, the creation of the Mr. McMahon character, who uh, was the owner of the WWF. He did not want Steve Austin being the champion because the champion is the face of the company. And how can you have the face of the company be somebody that's foul-mouthed, drinking beer on television, throwing up the middle finger, getting arrested, you know, um, from a corporate standpoint? Vince McMahon, Mr. McMahon, the character, he had very good intentions to protect his company, which was great because it all stemmed from the screw job in Montreal. So it was just really good storytelling. 
Now, were the matches during the Attitude Era, were they phenomenal? Not all of them. Some of them were just down, I'll be honest with you, part of my language, some of them were just downright shit. They were the drizzling shits, most of them, right? But the characters were so interesting. The stories were so interesting that we didn't care if the matches were, were good or not. I mean, sure, if you had a five-star match out there, that's even better, right? Great, great characters, great stories, a lot of depth, something you could relate to, and then they go out there and they just tear the house down with like a really good wrestling match. Oh, yeah. But, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, great wrestler, but after what happened to him at SummerSlam 97, he couldn't do that anymore. So they played to his strength, and it played to his character too, right? Stone Cold Steve Austin was not the greatest mat technician from a character standpoint. Now, if Austin had to go in the ring and put on a very good technical match, he, he could do it. He had the ability to do it, but he didn't have to. And that's something I, I think that a lot of wrestling fans nowadays forget. They, you know, everybody's always, oh, you, you can't have a good wrestling show unless every single match is like outstanding. That's, that's not, that's not true. Um, if your character is good enough and you tell a good story, that's all you need. Get people wanting more. You give them just enough to get them through the night. And then after everything soaks in and they're just like, man, that was actually pretty good. I want to see more. Instead of just throwing it all out there all at once. But anyway, I digress. Uh, We're talking about uh, Unforgiven here. We're not talking about the state of of professional wrestling. That would be a whole different story. That would be be an episode for Ring Scoops Now, not Ring Scoops Retro. So anyway, yeah. Uh, So let's uh, let's recap a little bit, just briefly, some of the history here of some of these matches. So Farouk, Shamrock, and Blackman versus The Nation. Pretty much the story here for months was the tension between The Rock and Farouk. I mean, who can forget that one Monday Night Raw that The Rock had those Rolex watches for the members of the nation. They gave Farouk a portrait of The Rock, right? That was great. One one year for Christmas, um, this, man, what was it, 2015? I think 2014, 2015. Um, my grandmother had given us all presents, and they were all the same shape, same size, all that stuff. Gave one to me, my brothers, my mom, my dad. Everybody got the same present, right? We all opened it up, and it was a framed um, seven, uh, five by seven framed portrait of my grandma that she had professionally taken at a studio. I lost it, man. I got the giggles so bad when I opened it up and saw that. Because instantly, I thought about the Rock and Farouk. So when I had to explain why I was laughing, of course, you know, with my grandma not around to hear, the rest of my family, they thought it was funny. I showed them all the clip. They thought it was, it was hilarious. They thought it was appropriate. They definitely understood why I was laughing. Uh, it was a funny moment. So, it was, you know, it was, it was funny to see that, right? Hey, everybody, if you uh, want to help support the ring scoops brand i got some good news for you guys you can easily do so by pledging your support on the official ring scoops patreon it's only one dollar per month wow one dollar per month that's less than four cents a day did you know that yeah for a pledge of one dollar per month on patreon you can get access to the following get exclusive editorials every thursday 
You get the Crimson Mask podcast on the first Friday of every month. You also get exclusive Diamond Girl photos and videos every single Monday. And there's more. You also get Slam and Jam companion videos. That's right. If you tune in every week to Slam and Jam on Twitch and on YouTube, you can get more Slam and Jam over on the Rink Scoots Patreon. You get all this and a whole lot more. New content every week for $1. Less than $0.04 cents a day. Head on over to patreon.com slash ringscoops to pledge today. Your support is greatly appreciated. But anyway, so Farouk kicked out of the nation, teams up with Ken Shamrock, who's had a history with the nation, had definitely a history with The Rock, on two occasions could not get the job done to get the Intercontinental title. D'Lo Brown looking better than ever in this match. Lost a lot of weight from the last time we'd seen him in a big uh, pay-per-view match. Mark Henry still learning the ropes, so you put him in there with some seasoned guys at the time, like like a Farouk. And uh, The Rock was definitely on his way. The guy learned very fast from Rocky Maivia to The Rock that one year, the growth that The Rock had from his psychology in the ring to his promos to the way he performed, just everything about the guy. Dwayne Johnson got it. Great mind for the business, instantly got it, knew exactly what he had to do, and he did it. He got the ball and he ran with it, man. And uh, it was it was the opening match for this pay-per-view. And I thought it was a phenomenal match. Uh, they were easily able to mask Mark Henry being as green as he was. The Rock got a lot of his good shots in there. D'Lo Brown looked really good. Shamrock and Steve Blackman, it was great to see them team up. It was one of those things where everybody's like, man, if they were a tag team, they can destroy everybody. But at the same, on the other side of the same token... People are also thinking, if they ever fought each other with the martial arts background that they both had, ah, it would be great. So it was cool to see them together because you were hoping that they'd do really good stuff together and then one would turn on the other one down the road, which happened a year later. And then, of course, you got Farouk. Everybody wants to see Farouk get the rock, right? So it was it was a good match. Uh, definitely, I don't know, I, I want to argue with myself here about if I should just give the results out or not. In case there's anybody out there that actually hasn't watched the pay-per-view and may want to watch it based off of what I'm talking about here, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. But then again, this pay-per-view was, what, 21 years ago. So, I don't know. I, just, I won't give out results. Yeah, if you guys want the results easily, you can find them. Uh, second match of the night was the European Championship match. Triple H and Owen Hart. Um, like I said earlier, this whole thing stemmed from the screw job. Uh when Brett left, Bulldog left, Neidhart left, uh, Owen was not released from his contract. He had to stay in the WWE. He had to fulfill his commitments. And he ran a program with uh, with Shawn Michaels for a little while. Had a phenomenal match on Monday Night Raw at the tail end of 1997. And then uh, Owen Hart put his attention on Triple H. And Triple H had the European title after the infamous Christmas episode of Monday Night Raw with DX, which that was the precursor for a year later on with the finger poke of doom. It was a, a click thing to do, right? To, to do that. But the DX one was way more entertaining than the finger poke of doom. I, I give them that. 
Anyway, uh, the story here was at WrestleMania, China was handcuffed to Sergeant Slaughter, but she uh, she threw salt or powder or whatever it was in Sergeant Slaughter's face and hit a Andrew Galata-like low blow to Owen Hart, giving uh, way for Triple H to hit the pedigree on Owen Hart and to retain the title. So this match here, the gimmick was that China was going to be put in a shark cage and raised above the ring. She wasn't exactly above the ring. It was like in the aisle way, but still she was hanging from the rafters. Um, in the, in the middle of the match, China bent one of the bars was hanging from it. Road dog was up in the controls, lowered the cage down so she could jump down while, uh, while the referee was distracted, X pot got involved and allowed for triple H to hit the pedigree and, and triple H got the victory over Owen Hart and DX celebrated and, and all that good stuff. Um, and this was eventually the planting of the seeds where Owen Hart was pretty much now on a losing streak, right? And he cut a promo afterwards saying enough is enough. It's time for a change. And we, we know where that's going. He is eventually going to join the nation. And it's funny. I said that I wasn't going to say results and I just talked about Triple H beating Owen Hart. I apologize for that. Um, anyway, that was actually a really, really decent match between those two. Um, didn't suck. Wasn't the greatest. Um, it was, uh, it was one of the longer matches on the card. Um, there was, uh, there was two matches that, that were under 10 minutes. This one was over, over 10 minutes. It was clocked in at 1226. Uh, the next match, the, uh, NWA tag team title. I, I don't even have to talk about the history between Jim Cornette and the rock and roll express. It's well-documented. Uh, but Jim Cornette had brought in the new Midnight Express, Bodacious Bart and Bombastic Bob. It was Bart Gunn and Bob Holly. I liked the look that they had. I liked the music that they had. Uh, I've always, I'm one of those weird cats. I've always been a fan of Bob Holly's work. Bart Gunn, on the other hand, I mean, when I was a little kid and saw the smoking guns, I was like, ah, these guys are cool and everything. I knew even then that. Billy Gunn was the star of that tag team. And, and in this case here, uh, Bob Holly was a star of this one. Uh, it, obviously, this isn't going to work out that long for these guys. The New Midnight Express didn't last long. Eventually, later on that year, you know, Bombastic Bob becomes Hardcore Holly, chases after the Hardcore Championship. Uh, Bodacious Bart goes into hiding for just a little while that summer in 98, you know, he wins the brawl for all then he goes into hiding until WrestleMania time. Then he takes on Butterbean at WrestleMania 15 and 99. And that didn't last long, but, um, I mean, this, it was what it was with this match. Um, Jim Cornette was the star of it. Jim Cornette and rock and roll express. They knew exactly what to do. This match was booked very old school because the, where they were Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, so Jim Cornette and rock and roll express have a lot of history in that town and in that building. So it made sense for them to, to do the match the way they did. And, uh, you know, for, for old school purists, you would enjoy this match regardless if it's the new midnight express. Uh, I think you would enjoy the match. I enjoyed it. It, it wasn't bad. Then we got the, uh, the evening gown match Luna and Sable. Um, Sable was beginning to become, uh, one of the, the brightest stars for the WWE. The, uh, the infamous Vince McMahon loves, lo- loves the lady, right? Sable's a, oh, she's a lovely lady. As everybody has pointed out over the years that Vince McMahon would always refer to Sable as that. And I always like Jim Cornette saying, uh, you know, she's hot and everything. I wouldn't call her, you know, a lady cause who wants to fuck a lady? They want to fuck, you know, they want to fuck a hoe. 
right? They want to fuck a hot bitch, not a lady. You don't want to fuck a lady. Pardon my language. But uh, yeah, so Luna and Sable here, the, the history the um, that Luna didn't like uh, Sable's looks and everything, right? That she was gonna, she was gonna, uh, she was gonna destroy her Estee Lauder face, as she kept calling it, and uh, she was gonna strip her down to her brawn panties, and then eventually the promos were, I'm gonna strip you down to more than your brawn panties. I'm gonna strip you down to your buck naked, uh, talking about Sable's grotesque body and all that stuff. Uh, and this was Jerry Lawler's favorite match of the night. Uh, clocked in at two minutes, 50 seconds. Um, interesting at the very end when they go underneath the ring, Luna and Sable and Sable comes out with Luna's, uh, bra and panties and, and Luna's underneath the ring buck naked. So gold dust has to go under there and give her the robe and they, they take off and yeah, yeah. Uh, bra and panties, ladies and gentlemen, the, the diva era, right? That people don't like. This was the beginning of it. Uh, tag Team Championship match. New Age Outlaws defend against LOD 2000 with Sonny. And Sonny looked amazing. Ah, man, when, when they packaged Sonny with LOD 2000, whew, I didn't think they could reinvent Sonny, but they did. And they reinvented LOD too. Great look, great music, but they just didn't pull the trigger on LOD. They did all this stuff for them and just it didn't click. I think the, the act... By then, even with it being revamped, it was just too old school. It was too stale. You know, you had tag teams like New Age Outlaws. You had the Headbangers. You know, the the new Midnight Express, I guess, to a degree. You know, any combination of, of, of DX, any combination of, of The Nation, uh, Los Pariquas, you know, DOA. Like you had the, all these interesting characters coming in, right? And then you had an LOD. So you slap on 2,000 to their name. Give them, you know, slightly different looks, some helmets, and put a hot broad like Sonny with them. Didn't work. Didn't work. Um, this match wasn't the, really the greatest match. I think they had a way better match at the Royal Rumble that year. But, you know, it is what it is, right? I mean, New Age Outlaws turned out to be a phenomenal tag team. And uh, in retrospect, I, you know, I was, I was pissed off the LOD didn't win. But in retrospect, thank God they didn't win. Because it probably would have hindered the careers of the New Age Outlaws had they taken a loss like that. Especially after the whole, you know, the DX thing, right? Joining DX and all that stuff. Uh, Inferno match, Undertaker and Kane. Man, if you're going to watch this, if you haven't seen this match, you got to see it. This was crazy. This was crazy for its time. It's crazy now. They did an Inferno match. Remember, they did the one with Bray Wyatt and Kane at SummerSlam six years ago. In 2013, it was crazy then. They do it again. It'll be crazy now. Um, fire around the ring, you know, especially with it being the first one. Holy crap, man. I remember getting so excited for this. Like I didn't, I didn't order a whole lot of pay-per-views in my teen years. Right. Because when I was a kid, it was a little easier. Mom, dad, get a pay-per-view. You know, obviously they can't be like, well, you got to go work for it, son. You know, tell that to a seven year old. Right. But I was, uh, Let's see, uh, 98, uh, I was 14 going on 15. So it was at that time where like, you know, hey, mom and dad, can we get the pay-per-view? Well, what are you going to do to earn that pay-per-view? You got to do some chores, maybe go out and get a permit, get a job, you know? So it was it was a harder sell to get the pay-per-views. But I do remember my mom and dad saying, you know what? You can get this pay-per-view. And it was so cool because I was like, it's going to be an Inferno match. It's going to be fire around the ring, mom and dad. Come on. 
fire, fire. And the match didn't disappoint. Clocked in at 16 minutes. And it was great. Because you have fire around the ring. They're not leaving the ring. No one's going to come out and get involved in this. Like You're going to have to have a winner. The winner of this will be the undisputed winner, right? Well, the action spilled out of the ring. I'm not going to tell you how. If you haven't watched it, you got to go watch it. You got to watch it, man. Undertaker and Kane Inferno match. If there is anything from this pay-per-view that is a must-see, it is that match. Definitely. Definitely. Now we got the main event. Dude loves Stone Cold Steve Austin for the uh, WWF Championship. Vince McMahon came out uh, towards the end, wanted to watch. Oh, another thing, too, throughout the night, uh, like Steve Austin, he came out, I think it was like after the first or second match. Steve Austin came out, called in Mark Eaton, Mark Eaton, whatever his name was, uh, you know, the, the timekeeper, right? The guy that rings the bell. They called him into the ring and said, hey, if you screw me, I'm beating your ass after I beat Vince's ass. So when Vince came out and sat down ringside, Vince McMahon was looking at the at the at Mark Eaton, pointed at him, you know, did a little eye thing like, eh, you know, and uh, a couple times there, Vince McMahon was, you know, insinuating he was going to do the screw job, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Vince got involved in the match, uh, Briscoe and and uh, and Pat Patterson, the beginning of the Stooges, right, beginning of the the whole corporation thing. Um, on this pay-per-view phenomenally done really good match um, from a wrestling standpoint not so much um, from two guys just beating the shit out of each other yeah really good match man these guys fought everywhere they fought all over that arena they they had a lot of action going on it was a brawl between dude love and stone cold steve austin the finish was i don't want to say it was screwy but it was definitely controversial. It definitely made you want to tune into Monday Night Raw the next night. Um, it was an interesting direction that they went in with it. Um, one of my favorite things about it was towards the end, they, they kind of stopped doing some of the commentary. They just kind of let it soak in the seriousness of what happened. I thought it was a great pay-per-view. Um, considering the direction they were going in, it, you can look at the card. It's a youth movement. You got Ken Shamrock, Steve Blackman, you got D'Lo Brown, The Rock, Mark Henry, Triple H, Owen Hart. You know uh, Luna and Sable. You got the Outlaws, and uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. His first big single profile match. Well, second one, Austin McMahon. I mean, even though it was, really wasn't a match on Raw, it, it was a high profile match. So this was like the second big one, right? This was like the, the, the big pay-per-view, like, oh, my God, he's defending the title. Like, the Austin era really is set in motion here. Unforgiven 98. Um, I, give it, uh, I give it two thumbs up. Um, it was an enjoyable pay-per-view. Was it the most technically sound pay-per-view? No. But if you're watching WWF in 1998... And you're looking for five star technical matches. If you're looking for like Brett versus Sean or Flair versus Steamboat or any of those kind of matches from the WWF in 1998, you're looking in the wrong place. Um, 
this really isn't yet into the whole like extreme hardcore like we're gonna do what ECW is doing. It hasn't gotten to that point yet, so you're in the in between stages of that. If that makes any sense, but I would definitely watch Unforgiven if you got some extra time and you want to watch uh, some enjoyable wrestling from the Attitude Era that had uh, some of uh, the the first of its kind with the youth movement. Definitely check out Unforgiven 1998. It's an in-your-house pay-per-view. Infernal match, evening gown match. You had China in a shark cage. There was gimmicks up to yin-yang on this thing, man. It's good stuff. And you even got some of the NWA in there. You got some old school stuff. Jim Cornette. Really good. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I want to thank everybody out there for tuning in to uh, Ring Scoops Retro right here on the Ring Scoops podcast feed. Really appreciate it. Uh, don't forget to check out some of the other podcasts that we got here. Ring Scoops Rebooked. We got the mailbag. Uh, Ring Scoops Now uh, is going to be coming up pretty soon as well. See, uh, that's the thing about these podcasts. All right, Ring Scoops Retro, I'm talking about old school wrestling, right? Not just events, like I said. Certain wrestlers, merchandise, events, uh, venues, just anything and everything in the past of professional wrestling. Uh, then we got Ring Scoops Now, which is a podcast about pro wrestling nowadays. AEW, WWE, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, um, Evolve, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, we got the Ring Scoops News broadcast, which is just strictly news. No opinions on that one. It'll just be news. So if you don't, if you, if you don't want to go to the dirt sheets, if you don't want sensationalized headlines, I'm not going to give you that, guys. Okay, I'm going to give you straight up news that is just all facts. There's no opinions. I'm not going to try to sway you guys. There's not going to be any hidden context behind any of that stuff on Ring Scoops News. It's just going to be straight news because I'm a, I'm a firm supporter of that. I I hate this, you know, blurring the lines of editorial and news. If I'm going to give you guys my opinion on something, I'm going to let you guys know this is going to be my opinion, it's going to be my review, it's going to be my thoughts. If it's going to be news, I'm going to let you guys straight up know like, yo, this is what's happening. Now, afterwards, I may give an opinion, but on Ring Sweeps News podcast, no, I'm not going to give opinion. It's just going to be straight strictly news because I'm I, I'm not going to insult you guys by doing that stuff and I'm trained with this I got I got education in this and I've got experience in journalism I have a bachelor's degree in communications I was on Coyote Radio I wrote for the Coyote uh, Chronicle I wrote for um, other publications I've done some PR work as well so I'm going to give it to you guys straight I'm not going to bullshit you guys so rest assured you will not be you will not be BS'd from me Okay, I'm going to be very open and honest with you guys, be extremely transparent because I'll be honest with you guys. I do not like the state of the Internet wrestling community right now, from the toxic fandom to the, the straight lies that are being done, clickbait, you know, just to get hits so they can get money. No, dude. I ain't playing that game. I have never played that game and I'm taking a stand on that shit right now. So there you go. Um, so yeah, all right. That's it for this podcast. Uh, I want to thank you all for uh, you know taking this journey with me uh, back in time to Unforgiven 1998. 
Um, I hope you guys had as much fun listening to my thoughts on this pay-per-view as I did watching the pay-per-view back and reliving uh, some of the history of the WWE from 21 years ago. If you want to follow Ring Scoops on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at Ring Scoops. That's right, facebook.com slash Ring Scoops, and the usernames on Instagram and, and, and Twitter at Ring Scoops. Also on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ringscoopsguy, and youtube.com slash ringscoops as well. Simple enough, if you just go to ringscoops.com, you get all the info there. You can subscribe to the podcast. You get all the social media on there. You get editorials, the podcast, the vlogs. You get it all. You get everything. Ringscoops.com. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm that ringscoops guy saying thank you, good night, and be cool.